Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look. Out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a cheese farmer, and I love films. As Bernard Baruch once said, Vote for the man who promises least. He will be the least disappointing. But on a lighter note, Spike Lee's film She Hate Me is much more interesting than the critics would have had you believe. Hmm, thank you Bernard Baruch. Interesting words. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais and Leslie Headland. But this week, my special guest is superstar, podcaster, panel showist, game show host, DJ and award-winning comedian, John Robbins. Live show news. I will be performing my stand-up show from last year, What Is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me, for one week at the Soho Theatre from May 6th to May 11th. Go to the website for tickets. It's selling well, so make sure you don't miss out. And the next live podcast will be on April 7th, that's a Sunday, at the Brighton Podcast Festival. And my guest will be Chibadi G himself, Mr. Asim Chowdhury. Do not miss either of these gigs under any circumstances. Is that understood? You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Goldstein and on Instagram at Mr. Brett Goldstein to keep up to date with all live shows and my stand-up gigs. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, please come and join me at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions for most episodes. You'll get some videos, there's guest list tickets, recommendations and all sorts of other stuff. Come join the fun! And remember, best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, not only do you get lots of the extra good stuff, you don't even have to hear this bit about becoming a member, because I cut this bit out. You get the whole episode completely unencumbered by ads and all of this bullshit. Give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, here we go. John Robbins is one of the best comedians in the country, and if you've never seen him before, you really should. We recorded this episode a very long time ago. It was actually one of the first that I recorded. So there's a couple of things you need to know. For example, we do talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, but we talk about it before it came out. Neither of us had seen the whole film, but I've left it in because he's such a serious Queen fan and he has some pre-release hot takes that you won't want to miss. There was also, this is the thing, this episode was recorded before the Troubling Boners Worrying Wydons question was a thing. So for those of you whose favourite bit that is, I'm sorry, it never took place. But if you do want to ask John Robbins, feel free to tweet him at Nomadic Reverie. N-O-M-A-D-I-C-R-E-V-E-R-Y. And ask him about his troubling bonus. So that is it for now. 
I very much hope you enjoy episode 37 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, your host. I am joined today by writer, no poet, yes, in my radio broadcaster, correct, a uh, DJ, yes, stand-up comedian, correct, podcaster, to an extent, winner of the biggest prize in comedy, the If Dot Comedy Award. Thank you for not adding a caveat to that. I am leaving the caveat out of here. No one needs the caveat. You is. It is, here he is. It's qualifying, a, that's the word I meant. Thank you for not qualifying. It's the very qualified John <laughs> Robbins. Hello to you. Hello to you, the listener. Thank you. At home, in the gym, perhaps having a romantic bath. I'm very grateful that you're here. Thank you very much for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm quite tired, but I'm good. Full of excitement about the changing of the seasons. Now... John Robbins, mm. how are your, what are your feelings about films and what's this about you ticking them off? Well, I sort of have a quite bad memory for events, so I, I kept a list of films basically stolen from Mark Commode's Films of the Week. Yes. Um, but also, so I think iPhone notes are quite useful for little, when people say, oh, you've got to see this, mm. and then you can write it down and then never see it. Yeah. And then sort of, well, I've got it, it's on my list. So I've got it um, written down. But there's sort of an odd, odd mixture of his top picks and um, sort of uh, quite crappy post-apocalyptic films, which um, I quite like. So you've got one notes page, which is just filled with a list of films yeah. collected over the years from Mark Cohen. Well, probably only two, the last two years. Can you give me five random films from that list? Uh, notes on Blindness. Mm-hmm. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. Your Name. Mm-hmm. Logan. City of Ember, Sicario. All good films. It's a good list. Good list. And then you put. Well, City of Ember is quite mixed bag. Have you seen it? I've not seen City of Ember. It's got Saoirse Ronan in. Oh. And Bill Murray. It's got a sort of surprisingly good cast, and it didn't get much of a, didn't get much press. Mm. But it's about a little, a little town. It's got the sort of quite a vibe of, um, you know, that Lemony Snicket film. Yes. With. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got that sort of vibe. It's slightly Roald Dahl-esque uh, set. And they're living in this town where sort of resources have run low. And it's and it's, it's sort of the vibe is that it's after some kind of world-ending event. And Bill Murray is the sort of corrupt mayor. And it's sort of quite tongue-in-cheek in places. But I really like that sort of thing. Um, was that Kermit's film of the week? No. No, right. that's just one. I, I think I mentioned on my show with Ellis that I like films, sort of of end-of-the-world films, Mm -hmm. and someone suggested it, and also Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? Great film. It is so stupid. It is so stupid. Like, all of the surviving members of the Earth's... uh, of of civilization are on a train that just goes around the world constantly. Uh, There was pleasure in it, but it was kind of silly. Do you agree with Mark Cameron's films of the week? When you get round to watching them. Yeah, I always find his choices very interesting. We might come to one film that I really disagreed with him on. Um, And it always... I always wonder if you're like a critic 
whose opinion is sought so often, mm. whether sometimes, and I think he's spoken about this, whether sometimes you get sort of fixed with your initial two-sentence review of a film. Yeah. So one of my favourite films is The Straight Story by David Lynch. And every time it comes up, he has the same little thing he says about it, which is, it's Forrest Gump on a lawnmower. Mm. And I wonder if, because he sees so many films, you don't actually get a chance to often update your original little tagline for the film. So, like, how often do you get to update your opinion about film? Yeah. Because I don't think it is Forrest Gump on a lawnmower. I think it's really great. It's really great. I'm glad you like that. So you like films? Is yeah, it a big part of your like, life? No, I wouldn't say it's a huge part of my life. But I do like, I kind of like that feeling of on a night off, finding a film I'm excited to watch and then watching it as I get progressively drunker in my living room. <laughs> I quite like that. But I don't have a TV, so I always watch them on my laptop, which right. isn't kind of as cosy as perhaps ideal. Yeah. But I find with massive TVs, they're always rubbish. Like you'll watch an HD film and it'll look like it's in a studio and you'll see all the bumps on everyone's sort of Yeah. What is the deal the with HD? It's 2H. I hate it. It's 2H. It's 2H. Looks like a behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah. So I saw um, The Hobbit in 48 frames. Oof, yeah. It was unwatchable. Too. Yeah. Because it was it, what it looked like was sort of um, the making of kind yeah. of documentary. It was sort of really weird. I don't get it. I'm glad you've said that because I started to think I was mad. Like, well, I was TV watching. I was watching The Crown on Netflix on yeah. an HD TV, and it looked awful. And there was no way of turning off the HD. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm so glad you said this. Thanks, man. I thought I had like special eyes. No, <laughs> I could see too well. It's I've because seen the. Too much. It's because the. I don't know. My friend Dave knows. It's because the frames are too quick. Right. So it looks like TV as opposed to film. Yeah. Why does everyone want it? I don't know. No one wants it. Probably for bloody football or Brexit or something. (laughs) So, oh my God, I've forgotten to tell you. Yeah. And I should have told you when you came in. Mm -hmm. And it's been like nearly 10 minutes and I haven't mentioned it. It's really bad and I'm so sorry. I should have, I probably should have said this before we started. There's no fee. Oh, other than that, uh, we're not going to need it because you've, you died. Yes. At last. You died. Oh, it's good long, long last. Yeah. How did you die? Well, probably my dream actual way to die. Yeah. It's just sort of at a ripe old age when my mobility starts to go. Right. Putting my affairs in order and going to Dignitas. Oh, quite like that, I think. Yeah. I I, I watched a documentary about um, the super old. Right. People who are like over 100. And they all seemed quite bored and said that the... They thought the right time to go was probably about 80. Really? Yeah. And I wonder if what scares people about death is not dying, mm. but not dying on your own terms. So I think I'd quite like uh, it to be on my terms. That's fascinating. But at 80, you, you're... Well, I don't know. Clocking in at 80. I do, no, I think at any level... I think you'll get to 80 and go, oh, I'm not ready yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if there are many people who live well into their 90s and 100s mm. with very fulfilling and active lives but I think anyone at the point at which your you know your freedom to live as you want to live goes that must be quite hard but in this documentary about the super old were they all going oh I wish I was dead no but they were just bored Mm. because all your friends are dead yeah all of your your generation are dead your family are busy 
And there was this awful scene where there's this 118-year-old woman, or no, 110-year-old woman in America. She's the oldest living woman in America. Mm. And they wheeled her out for this big birthday <laughs> do. Yeah. And she just looked absolutely terrified. Uh. Like Philip Larkin says at the end of a poem about old people, the last line is, why aren't they screaming? <laughs> but anyway, no, and anyway, I think... And a bit but like, they don't, but they're not... Oh, I just spilt... In a very un-Robbins move, I've just spilt water on your carpet. Oh, no. Oh, God. That's all right. Tissue. It's only water. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, that is exact opposite attitude to what I would have. What would you I'd be have completely You'd have sold the house. <laughs> That's yeah, got to go. That sold the house before it dried. <laughs> um, it's only water, mate. But I like... Um, I think my film way to die yeah. would be um, died saving his family from a sinking battleship. Which is the the epitaph that Royal Tenenbaum puts on his own grave? <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Uh, hang on, on the subject of not wanting to being bored when you're old, the people in the documentary they're not dead though. Like no. if they were that, this is the thing. Have you seen the film Amore? Have you seen that? Yes, I have. I mean, fuck, it's depressing, but the, poor mate. The thing about it, absolute. It's a no, real no, Debbie. It's Debbie a Dana. great film. But he, she says to him quite early on, if you've not seen the film, it's about two elderly people and one of them gets very ill and she's de- degenerating, is that what we say? Deteriorating. And um, she says to him, I want you to end it. Like, mm. make sure before I get to, like, really bad, you end it. And he says, I won't. And I really was remember watching it going, yeah, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. And then she gets worse and it's all really depressing. But, mm. like, of course... You're not going to kill your wife? No, I think I you like think about that. Because at what point do you say... Because you, you'd have to take the decision before you were too ill yeah. to carry it out. But then I think maybe I'm under, underestimating the, the survival instinct. My mum is always like, I'll turn the machine off like that, about all of us. Oh, <laughs> my right. dad. Even if there's no sister, machine. Yeah, my sister, me. She's like, if you, you know... We're sort of scared to like be vaguely injured in case you go right. I think, <laughs> machines off. I think there's so many people who say, "Oh, if I got this or that, I'd yeah. just be, I'd end it." But so few people do. It must be so hard. What a horrible thing to think about. Anyway, welcome to the show. Um, so, do you think there's an afterlife? Is, it, is death something you worry about? You think about it a lot? No, not at all. Look forward to it. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Turn the old brain off. No, I don't. I, I do. I remember when I was a kid like, being quite scared of it and thinking I just want to die in my sleep. But then I thought, oh, how horrible to not mm. have any awareness that things were ending. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't. It doesn't bother me at all. Okay. And do you think that there's more on the other side? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out. Let's go that far. Yeah, keeping you up to the Yeah, I mean, I'm not, not sure how the logistics of it would work. I think probably, I would imagine, we live on in other people's memories of us, which is why my afterlife is going to be really mixed. <laughs> Lots of people going, oh, it's really hard work. <laughs> ah, so, good news, more good news, not just that you died, which you were pleased about. There is an afterlife. Woohoo! There's a heaven. But, is there a hell as well? Uh, there is, actually. Hmm. Which way, where did I go? You went to heaven. Great. Yeah. Surprising, but true. You've gone there. 
you've been welcomed in. Everyone loves you. They Rude. want to chat. They want to hang out. They I want to leave want you alone. Well, they leave you alone as Great. much as you like. But occasionally, when you venture out of your little heaven house, because yeah. sometimes you need milk or whatever, and it's still in heaven, you've got to go to the shops, they want to just talk to you about your life through film. Right. It's quite specific in heaven. Yeah. They're quite sort of niche conversations. Uh, and the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? I remember when I was... So we didn't have a video player when I was growing up. What were you, goddamn hippies? So we, m- my mum's friend, when they should go around for coffee every Saturday, Sunday morning, mm-hmm. they had two films that we had asked them to record for me. And they were The Goonies and The Return of the Pink Panther. Wow. So Clouseau. So I've seen those two films probably... I would say maybe 50 times each. Wow. Um, is Return of the Pink Panther the one that's like a montage of, of extra clips made in? No, into I think it? maybe I mean the Revenge of the Pink Panther. Okay. It's the one with the scene in the aeroplane toilet where he's got a broken leg and he's trying to put a toilet seat cover on and he sort of all gets into a bit of a state. Gets into a kerfuffle. So I sort of have a mad knowledge of both those films even though it's just because yeah. they were the only ones that were available and you'd have to watch them at your mum's friend's house yeah so, so she'd go around for coffee and you'd go shh i'm watching the goonies no they'd all the like mums would be in another room right or my mum's friends and i would go into the back room and watch um either the goonies or pink Panther with with a, with someone or no, just on your own just sit and watch wow but well, because coffee only lasted about 60 or 70 minutes i very yeah. rarely saw the actual ends of the film so i don't know what happens to the goonies i do know but i've probably seen, only seen the end of the goonies 10 times wow. whereas i've seen the films many times that's beautiful yeah. do you remember the age this was that would have been like seven to ten right i'd also remember an early film memory as cocoon seeing that on a holiday to visit my uncle and uh it was a real tear-a-thon. Yeah. Kind of, I wasn't quite ready for that level of um, trauma in a film. Mm. So that's also one of the films I cried the most at. That's a, that's a film about the super old who becomes super. To an extent, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a siblings? This older sister. How, how What's the age difference? Seven years. All right. So she wasn't watching Goonies with you? No, not really, no. Are you close? Can I ask that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so you were never taken to the cinema? Was that not a thing? Not really. I was taken to cinema by uh, sort of family, friends. Do you remember your first cinema trip? Probably not. Might have been Aladdin. But then what year was that? I think that's it like can't 90, have been 1992, three. Uh, 1992. So yeah, I was 10. I remember going to see that when I was 10. Right. Loved it? Yeah. I remember seeing The Burbs when I was quite young. Yeah, love and, The Burbs. And a film called, is it My Stepmother is an Alien? I am a, uh, you, I, I've watched My Stepmother is an Alien 50 times. That's uh, my goodies. Is there a sex scene in that? Yes. So I remember saying, because I was watching it with like my mum and some friends of hers. I think they'd rented it for me. I remember saying, what are they doing? And my mum said, you know what they're doing. And, my friend, and my, her, one of her friends said, they're bonking. I remember being sort of quite confused about the whole thing. Did you want to say, I'm still quite, not quite sure what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember Great watching show. the birds and eating too much bubble gum. Ah. And putting it on the fire, see if it burned. Did it? Sort of bubbled away. Mm. Bubbles anyway, that gum. 
So what is the film that made you cry the most other than... Well, Cocoon was a real... That was like something wrong. (laughs) That I cried so much for like a day. Um, But I've written down here... Yeah. uh, Cocoon, Das Experiment and Philadelphia. Das Experiment. Have you seen that? Oh, the... the, The fucking Mind Health, whatever it's called, experiment film. Quite recent one. No, I'd say about 15 years ago. German version. Yeah. And it's about making students into guards and prisoners. Yeah. An experiment in the sort of 50s or 60s, was it? When they just randomly made people guards or prisoners. That film just made me think there's no hope for any of us. Well, I've read a whole book about that that very experiment, and oh, it really? turns out it's highly disputed. Yes, you can feel slightly better about it. So that the film is a slightly fictionalized version, is it? Because well, in the film, can can tell you the, spoilers tell on this, here? Yeah, yeah. Tell the story of the thing just in case people don't know. It. Well, they invent a psychological it's in real experiment. life true story. Yeah, true story yeah. where they put, I think maybe like twenty people in a prison, mm-hmm. and they randomly selected guards and prisoners, and as you might imagine, the guards behave horribly. Yeah, within a week, they're within, yeah. abusing them. And- so a sort of Lord of the Flies type scenario. Yeah. And in the film, doesn't someone die? Yes. But I don't think did in the actual experiment. Didn't they die? In, 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 according to the original experiment, which was written about and all that, they were beaten and, you know, they became very, very cruel. However, I can't remember what book I read this in, but it's quite recent where someone was really looking into the details of it and it sort of turns out it's not as bad as you think, as in a lot of the people who were then questioned like years later were like, no, I was just sort of pretending because they were watching us and I was doing yeah, people it. For... Say, but anyway, the film just really messed me up. Yeah. Because I was like, well, we're all just animals and we're all the worst thing in people's traits and all that sort of thing. Do you think that now? Um, I sort of, no, I think most people are trying to be good most of the time Mm. but then I think often especially in um after moving to London I think just often people are just too busy to really for morality to really come into their lives that much like I don't think people necessarily trying to be anything other than at work and then home what you mean they're not sort of tested or they just just avoid it it's quite hard to sort of determinately live a moralistic or otherwise life, when I just get quite depressed when I come in. and I'm, I mean, I'm very lucky in that I don't really work office hours. Mm. But when I do come in, in say I have to be in London early and I'm going at rush hour and there's people are asleep on the train because yeah. they can't afford to live near where they work. Yeah. And you think it's like quarter past eight and people are asleep. Yeah. And it's going to be the same when they go home. But then apparently no one works nine to five anyway, so it's, everyone's probably all fine. So I think people are overworked. Where did you used to live? That you were? Bristol. Oh, you were in Bristol, yeah. Slightly slower pace of life. What was your other films that made you cry the most? Philadelphia, Lovely. when they play the Neil Young song at the very end. Yeah. Oh, an arrival. Oh, great. Really made, really made me cry. Yeah. I was in. I saw it in Leicester Square, and I was on my own, and I had to. I went to. So, one of the one of the uh, sounds quite partridge this, but one of the great. Um, luxuries of working for Radio X is yeah. that you're if you're in central London you're never more than 10 minutes away from a, a toilet or a shower <laughs> and at night the building is pretty much empty so I just was able to uh, 
make use of an emergency crying nook. Ah. So she used one of the studios to have a brief cry yeah. and then headed back out. Do you, can you cry in front of people? Yeah. Who, who can't? Me. Mr. Weirdo over there. Mr. Weirdo. I hate it, hate it. Like, that's why I go and see sad films on my own. Oh. I won't see them more on my own. I'm not crying in front of people. Really? It's sort of a weirdo does that. Well, someone who's chilled out. Yeah. It's just another emotion, Brett. You'll get stomach cancer. I know. Um, what is the film that scared you the most? Well, I think not necessarily through the film, but through seeing it too early. I sort of realising that my early years were spent watching videos in friends of my mum's houses. <laughs> so another friend of my mum yeah. had a video of Queen Live at Wembley in 86 and The Elephant Man. What a double bill. And... Um, so I used to watch Queen Live at Wembley in 86 a lot when I was about eight or nine. Wow. It's all coming together. And um, maybe ten. I've seen that. Someone I knew's mum had that as well. I think I've seen that a few times. It's great. What, the Queen Live at Wembley? Yeah, Queen yeah, it's amazing. So I watched Queen Live at Wembley in 86 a lot. Yeah. And then one night watched The Elephant Man. I was absolutely... It was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's not a scary film, but it is. Yeah, yeah. Because to a kid, it's a monster film. Yeah. And the sort of the tragedy is lost because it's a deformed person. Yeah. And then I got, because of that, I got quite, I'm quite easily affected by sort of body horror films. So like The Fly. Yes. My mum let me watch that probably a bit too young. So I had this period of all these kind of body shock yeah. horror films freaking me out. Uh, Elephant Man is one of the greatest films ever made. I would. It, it, well, so I hear. But you've not watched but it since you were young? No. Oh, I maybe watched it once when I was a teenager to try and get my head around it, but it's such a, it's formed such a vivid memory of fear that I sort of had this bizarre fascination with the elephant man, but I was also... But not in a sympathetic way. Well, uh, obviously he's great. Yeah. But I always remember it as a, um, as a, and I... But the film sets it up as, it's half an hour, it's like Jaws, it's half an hour before you see it. Yeah. So and yeah, it's set it's up quite, like it's it is quite scary. scary, and the yeah, lighting yeah. and stuff, and yeah, yeah. it's tense. But you love the straight story, yes. So, so those are the the scary ones, the sort of those. Hang on, so is that your answer to what's the film that scared you most? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elephant Man. Yeah, definitely. Oh. In terms, like, Amazing. I don't think it's the scariest film, but it's, it's the film answer. that scared me the most. It's a great answer. Thanks. It's what do other people person. say? But people usually say horror films, or like right. Uh, but that's the first, that's a really good answer. What's the horror film with the, there's been quite a lot of sequels. Yeah. But there's like the red faced man who's in the corner of the ceiling. Insidious? Oh, Insidious, yes. But then sort of other people have poured scorn on that film. So I don't know whether it just caught me at an odd moment. No, that's part, they make good films. I think they're good yeah, def- definitely found Insidious quite scary. Yeah. The reason I didn't find... What's um, the first ever paranormal activity? Yeah. I the reason I didn't find that scary is because the main guy looks so much like Freddie Mercury, I found it impossible to... Because I kept going, it's Freddie Mercury. And, it is, and I've Googled him since, and he doesn't look like him in other films. But if you watch Paranormal Activity, the the... The likeness that guy has to Freddie Mercury is insane. Wow. Are you excited about the uh, Freddie Mercury Queen film? The thing that has stuck with me about the trailers that have come out, mm. 
is how that guy has got Brian May's voice because yeah. it is like listening to a recording. And it's a really tricky, it's not an easy voice to kind of, well. Can you do it? No. I mean, it's not like a voice where you could think, oh, someone could do an impression of that. There's yeah. no real angle to it, but he has got it 100%. And Freddie's voice is also a very tricky one to do because it's it's based in what sort of 50s Indian families speaking sort of the King's English type accent because he was educated in private school in Bombay, I think. I'm right in saying that. And um, was born in Zanzibar, Mm -hmm. but then came to England and I think was quite desperate to uh, lose his his Indian accent. Um, And someone was saying to me the other day, you can notice that Indian English... In the in being the the English spoken by Indian people is quite um, it's very well spoken. It's quite Radio Four English. So when the Indian commentators are on Test Match Special, they use sort of phrases that you wouldn't necessarily. They'll say like "jolly good" and stuff, "jolly good shot," right. and um, sort of "what ho," which is quite an interesting uh, observation about how English itself is an evolving language, mm-hmm. but other countries learning English sort of learn it in quite specific way. So in a sense, is a better... It's like a, a marker of the time when... Well, a more successful experiment in capturing mm. that sort of classic PR-type English. Yeah. Whereas English itself rolls on and on. But it stops so at there are these So there are these um, sort of former colonial countries who are still taught that more traditional form of speaking English. So why am I talking about that? I don't know, but it's very interesting. So I think Freddie had that kind of, that kind of speech, but yet there is, and, and then there's sort of the camp yeah. element somewhat. And um, the way he moves his lips. So he's always covering his teeth because his teeth stuck out. He's very self-conscious about them. Mm. So he's a difficult guy to, to mimic in terms of his speech off stage. Whereas on stage, I think he's got much more obviously moves that he did. And do you like the the performance of him so far? From what I've seen, yes. Though they got his... Uh, he didn't have a moustache when they recorded We Will Rock You, and that's uh, a mistake. Oh that is in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a moustache error. But I think the problem is with a biopic like that, mm-hmm. you run the danger, if you do everything accurately, it looks very wiggy. Yeah. Especially if you're going backwards yeah, and forwards yeah. in time. Because if you're going from 70s... To late seventies to early eighties to mid eighties to ninety, you you would just think this is too this is too costumey. Mm. So I guess you have to maybe let the moustache slide a couple of years earlier, just so it doesn't look like he's constantly gone so in and out of the wardrobe or yeah. makeup. Fascinating. Tell me this. Yeah. What film mm. did you used to love, and you've watched it recently and gone, oh dear, this does not hold up. So I, I'm not a huge fan of the the term guilty pleasure. So if yeah. I like something, I tend to like it. And But I do remember getting very excited in Edinburgh about three or four years ago about making someone watch Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> and I remember saying, no, you, this Good is answer. so funny. You might yeah. not think of this. It's one of the funniest films I've ever seen in my life. And about half an hour in, and they're just looking at me thinking, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't believe I had thought it was that funny. Yeah. So I definitely remember yeah. laughing. And I just couldn't for the life. And it was just this really awkward hour and a half watch with this person who's like, this is, film is not good. 
And I was like, yeah, it's not, is it? It's, I think it's quite a bad film. I haven't rewatched it, so I'm going to have to take your word for it. But I definitely enjoyed it at the time. Yeah. Is it just sort of very dated? It's kind of instantly dated. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I remember so little about it, even now having watched it twice, but it was that sort of like second-rate Wayne's World stoner humour. Yeah. Which I don't, I can't believe I ever really liked. <laughs> but what were they a spin-off from? Was it... From uh, everything he'd done, from Clerks and Mulrats yeah. and... Uh, Chasing Amy. Which they were always side, the sort yeah. of side fun characters. What is the film that you love? And I suppose this is your guilty pleasure, but I agree with you. I'm not into guilty pleasure, but there's a film that you love that most people hate. It's sort of critically derived, and you're like, fuck you guys. This is a fucking brilliant film. I don't, I'd like not lots of films spring to mind because I'm not one of those people like, you know, there's some people who will say, oh, we're having a crap film day yeah yeah and we're gonna watch 20 crap films yeah like action films that i would have zero interest for me whatsoever like zero interest when someone goes oh it's so bad it's good you're like well yeah. i don't really don't want to watch that i'd rather watch a good film yeah i mean probably to just venture into the lion's <laughs> den like <laughs> there's some woody allen films you like all this stuff even the no ones- no, and I haven't watched some of the more recent ones. Okay. So I've not like watched Cafe Society. Right. Whatever works. That's the one with with uh, Larry David. Yeah, was just didn't make any sense. Yeah. But then I think um his last great film, mm-hmm. apart from Blue Jasmine, which I don't really count as a Woody Allen film because it doesn't feel like one, but mm. that's more like his sort of late seventies stuff like September and um interiors. But I think his last great film is Small Time Crooks. Oh, yeah. With Hugh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah. And um, Tracy Ullman. Mm. And I have a theory about Woody Allen. Cool. That his films stopped being good after 9-11. So perhaps one of the more Come obscure on, 9-11 conspiracies. I love this. Because I think it probably changed his relationship with New York. And that mm. was when he sort of started making films outside of New York. Yeah. And he only ever went to the Oscars to give that sort of tribute to New York in film, yeah. which is one of the funniest five minutes of stand-up you've ever seen in your life. Wow. But I just think since then, that's when sort of, for want of a better word, the rot mm. set into his films. And I wonder if it had such a profound impact on his his sort of city, which yeah. had been his his sort of canvas for so many years. That's a great theory. I love that. That's my favourite 9-11. So you think the... This is what the terrorists really did. <laughs> Ruined Woody Allen's film. This was well, the plan all I along. think it's a, a side effect of... It was someone who fucking hated Annie O. Yeah, so that's just a little, a little Good. idea. Kind Interesting, of, I like yeah. it. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favourite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, what is the film that you love the most not because of the film itself but because of the experience you had around it so there are two times i've seen citizen kane as part of a double bill right and i don't profess to know why citizen kane is so great and so held up so highly Mm -hmm. um but the first time was a it was in, I was visiting my dad and we went to see it at a cinema and it was on a double bill with Koyana Skatsi. Mm. Have you ever seen that? No, what's that? That's a film, it's a silent film and it's like uh, footage, it's was sped up footage basically right. of um, the technological world and people in cities and stuff. Okay. And it's soundtracked by Philip Glass. Oh right, yes. Okay, yes, I do know what you mean. Uh, and there was two sequels, Power Katsi and Nakoi Katsi, but I really liked Koyan Skatsi. You know what? I'm just really impressed with your pronunciation of it because I didn't know that's how it was said. Well, it's in the in the soundtrack. They ha- go, Koyan Skatsi. So, like, so much BBC incidental music is Philip Glass. Right. Like, they did a thing actually about what is this music that's always in the background of Radio Four programs, and it's all <laughs> Philip Glass. So you'll recognise bits of the soundtrack if you haven't seen it. It's amazing. It's like eighties time lapse footage, right. and it ends with the a, a space shuttle exploding. What was the space shuttle exploding? A uh, Challenger. Yeah, and I remember my dad finding it quite affecting. Quite, he sort of thought it was unnecessary, but it focused on this. So it has the explosion. Mm. And then it just sort of zooms in and zooms in and zooms in, eventually picks up this one bit of debris yeah. and just follows it all the way down. Oh, God. And it's sort of almost like it's like a pre-echo of The Falling Man. Mm. But the Citizen Kane was on before, and I think I was probably doing media studies at school at the time, and I was sort of saying, oh, this is the best film ever made. And we finished, and he was like, well, it's a good film, but I don't understand why it's the best film. And I was like, well, and then I realised I didn't know why. And then a couple of years later, I was out in Bristol with some friends, a gig. I was going through a period of not really enjoying being, like, out, out. Mm -hmm. Just, like, going to the pub and didn't really want to go on to, like, clubs or anything. So I just got the last bus home, and my mum was away, and it snowed. And I must have been maybe 15 or 16. And I went into the front room. I turned on the TV and a double bill was starting of Orson Welles. And it was Citizen Kane and the trial. Oh, wow. I just remember sitting, smoking fags up the chimney with the snow outside, a little fire going, my childhood cat next to me. And they're just both quite pleasant memories of Citizen Kane. That's lovely. Did you like Citizen Kane the second time we like? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something... It's not something you get or don't. Mm. You just have to realise that in comparison to the other films, it was really the techniques used yeah. in the storytelling and the camera stuff. Yeah. The camera stuff. 
The camera's were just like, it was making scale. an awful lot of giant leaps and bounds. Yeah. So if you watch it, you just think, yeah, it's a great film. But a lot of the things it was doing hadn't really been done before. Yeah. With foreground and background and with the way the story's told. But I still hadn't, I couldn't tell you any more than that, really. But I love the bit where they're interviewing the really old guy and he talks about um, the woman getting off the bus and he caught her eye and she was really beautiful and he's, and he's like now 80 and he's mm. thought about her every day since then. I always thought it was quite powerful. It is good. I keep saying to people, a lot of people keep coming on this show going, oh, I've never seen it, it looks boring. And I keep trying to tell them, it isn't boring. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's a really brilliant film. I know boring. It ain't boring, I'll give it that. Yeah. It looks like it will be, but it's really not, is it? Um, yeah, fantastic. So that's our recommendation. The trial is great with um, Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Yes, yeah, fantastic. It's yeah. terrifying. Horrible. And Koyana Scouts is great. It's all three great films, but interesting double bills. I like interesting yeah. double who, bills. Who organized, what was the, uh, the, when it was at the cinema, what was like the. It was just on at an Thinking behind the double feature. I do, that's a very good question. I don't know. I don't know why you would put those two films together. About um, progress and because Citizen Kane is also about this sort of maybe it is about progress and fall, yeah. rise and fall. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. I feel like that's probably did the music Citizen Kane as well. Probably. Um, what is the film? Here we go. That you thought was the sexiest? Well, I'm not not really a sexy guy. Come on. In conversation. I'd much rather cry than be sexy in front of someone. <laughs> can you do both? Uh, probably, yes. Yeah. I have done, actually. I can imagine. I remember when I was a late teenager, mm-hmm. having a like, real, quite intense crush on Natalie Portman and um, Angelina Jolie, and I just couldn't watch their films. What a double bill. So I, remember, I remember a friend of mine putting on... What's the film with Natalie Portman that's... The Garden State? Garden State with Zach Braff. Yeah, I remember them putting it on and I just... I tried to and I just went... I walked out and went, I can't fucking watch it. Because <laughs> she was too beautiful. Ah. Um, and s- similar with Mila Kunis, though... You've got a type. Have I? Yeah. These what? are all... Are these Hollywood are... film ladies. Well, brunette. They've got similar faces. You're, you're they? Doing, yeah, Portman, Kunis and Jolie. But I a similar look. I have watched Kunis films because she is in she is in the Book of Eli, which is yeah. one of my favourite films. I love the Book of Eli. Great uh, post-apocalyptic film. One of the all-time great post-apocalyptic yeah. films, I think. Very underrated. Oh, so underrated. And no spoilers. What a twist! What a twist! What a twist! Can I ask you? I have a question. Yeah. Question or theory, which was never discussed when the film came out. It's a big spoiler. But I'm not spoiling the twist. But at the end of the Book of Eli, the the Bible yeah. is put on a shelf, yeah. and we see, in very small, next to it is the Quran, mm-hmm. is the Torah, is all the other religious texts. What is the film saying, in your opinion, at the end? Oh, I think it's an it's a film about faith. It's not a film about religion, right? It is religious, but it's not. It's not saying. Christianity is the best, but I think it is a film about faith. And there is like a strain of that in American cinema that isn't in perhaps UK cinema as much, mm. where they'll just to sort of allow a level of religious narrative going on that perhaps we wouldn't put up with here. But it's not overtly 
even though the main thrust of the film is a guy trying to take the Bible, yeah. to get make the Bible safe. I think it's about the human spirit and Mila Kunis. <laughs> so she's your guy. She's your guy. No. She's, she's well, weirdly, she's busy. Denzel Washington is my guy. I don't oh, mean to Denzel. Sexy, but I watch, equaliser? I watch everything he's in because I no, love him. the Equaliser? Yeah, the Equaliser. Yeah, he's great in, um, in Philadelphia. Yeah? Yeah, brilliant. He's never, never shit. Have you seen Deja Vu? Yes. Is that good? Because I turned it down on a Netflix, <laughs> a Netflix browsing session with it's my girlfriend. Quite fu- it's quite fun. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's, yeah. It's I as good as The Equalizer. I spend, it's better than The Equalizer. I spend more time browsing films on Netflix and Amazon <laughs> Prime with my girlfriend than we do watching them. Because yeah. she's got one of those TVs where it's like Roku. So you've got all of them there. So you've got Amazon, Netflix, iPlayer, YouTube. So you yeah. just end up watching endless trailers and reading endless biogs of films and then not watching anything. That's um, sad. Yeah. What is the film that... You relate to the most. Um, it's also my favourite film. Okay. Sorry to skip ahead. Yeah. Um, it's Rushmore. Oh, yeah, of course it is. My favourite film of all time. Of course it about, is. It's about a boy who academically is very poor, partly because he is spending too much time setting up clubs. He's obsessed with the school he's at. He's obsessed with the everything about the school. The only thing he's not obsessed with is working hard in the lessons. <laughs> And then he gets obsessed with the teacher, and it was just—it was just like watching my school life. Really, just setting up clubs and doing extracurricular stuff. That said, I had pretty good GCSEs. What were your clubs you set up? Well, like I did chess club, like the debating club. I was the me and my friend Robert were the first boys to play in the netball team at primary school. Dance, really? Because we fancied the two girls who were in the dance group. So we joined... I mean, we were trailblazers in a way. Yeah. We argued even at seven that it shouldn't be gender-specific. Yeah. But we did do a dance display at the school fete. Were you popular after that? Um, I just don't think I really cared. It's brilliant. Um, and I then like at Rice secondary school, I, like, did the, I edited the school magazine. Oh. And if there was any ever, like, anything that was being put on, I'd... Like it was in school plays and 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 Max Fisher in Rushmore, yeah, is a the the main extracurricular thing it focuses on is him as a director and writer and um, actor in the school plays, and I think it's like I prefer it as, as to all other Wes Anderson films and all other films, but mm-hmm. I think he sort of hit peak twee after Tenenbaums, and yeah. I think that's so. Like I found Life Aquatic a bit hard. Me too. Um, have you had James Acaster on this show? Yeah, he did the first one. Did he yeah. talk about Wes Anderson? Funnily enough, he sort of said it right at the end, but oh, he right. like he didn't pick any, and then he was like, oh, Wes Anderson's my favourite, and I was like, yeah. you haven't mentioned him once. He's really interesting to talk to about Wes Anderson, because he says that everyone he meets has a different favourite and a different worst Wes Anderson film. Mm. So my favourite would be Rushmore, and I found, I found Moonrise Kingdom creepy. Yes, go on. I didn't watch the whole thing. There were just quite a lot of, and this might be totally like, I think I might have misread it, but there just seemed like a lot of slightly flirtatious flirtatious shots of the girl. Mm. And I remember watching Dark Water. With Jennifer Connelly? No, the original Japanese one. Japanese one, right. And there were just a lot of upskirt shots 
And I got the same thing from Moonrise Kingdom. But then I wondered whether I was invading its innocence with my own, with my sort of scepticism. But I just found it a bit creepy. I liked Grand Budapest Hotel, but part of me sort of didn't like it that much. I didn't think there was sort of much heart to it. Because I think the thing with Rushmore is, is when the sort of the twee elements, and I don't mean that as a disparaging word, because that can be really effective, yeah. and the emotional thrust of the film were at the perfect balance. And I think maybe in, in Tenenbaums as well, there's moments where those things are in balance. So when um, Ben Stiller's character says, uh, it's been a really rough year, Dad. Yeah. Oh, man, that oh, always makes boy. me cry. And, but Bill Murray's face in Rushmore when... Max introduces him to his dad for the first time mm. and in his dad's, no spoilers here, but in his dad's true occupation, the face Bill Murray makes when he realised, oh man, it's just the best face. But I think I really um, empathise with that boy who's quite emotional and falls in love with a teacher and then falls in love with a girl and... Did you fall in love with a teacher? No, but I fell in love with the teacher in Rushmore. Oh yeah, I love her. Libby Williams is Olivia fucking Williams. great. Yeah, she's great. She's brilliant in that as well. But also what I like about Rushmore is that Max is an asshole to other people. Yeah. And that's, you know, often the way when you're a bit sort of, when you're quite got tunnel vision or you're a bit single-minded about mm. stuff, you can... Um, but yeah, love that film. Great soundtrack as well. Great. Oh, man. Good film. Good great film. Um I don't like being negative. We're going to do it very, very fast. What's the worst film you ever saw? Well, like I said earlier, I don't make a habit of watching films if I'm suspicious they might be rubbish. You might have accidentally stumbled into it, though. Yeah. Well, interestingly, mm. if you think it's interesting, talking about Commode earlier, yeah. the one I disagreed with him most oh, on yeah, was on. We Need to Talk About Kevin. I hated that film. Really? I hated, I hated it. I hated it so much from the get-go. So interesting. Why? Because I think cause I'm a bit... I'm very solution-orientated, which right. is very... Can sometimes make friendships and relationships difficult because someone says, oh, this happened. You go, we'll do that. Right. And you realise that's not what they want. Yeah, they want yeah. you to listen to their experience and they want to get something off their chest. They don't want you to go, we'll just call them and get them to do it. Yeah. We'll just call your landlord and go sort it out. We just do this, this and this, and then it's done. Why, why aren't you doing it? You're still talking about it. Why haven't you done it yet? And yeah. then a week later... The, the problem's there. And they're like, well, I told you what to do. <laughs> so that film, any film where someone's in a position they should get out of, right. I can't cope. So I'm like, well, just call the police. Leave. Walk out the door. Right. What are you doing? You're still in the room. What are you, an idiot? So I lose but, all but what, empathy you, you with mean, that person. Most so of I them have, have you seen Mother? Yes, I have. I have not seen that because I know I, would, I wouldn't be able to bear it. I just yeah. keep thinking, well, just leave. Right. The house... But she can't leave because it's a metaphor. Yeah, but you can, anyone can leave a metaphor. She can't walk out of the metaphor. So She's trapped in it. You, there's a bit she steps outside and sees oh, everything's... But with, with, um, with We Need to Talk About Kevin, I was like, no, you need to realise Kevin's obviously nuts. <laughs> She's like, just, he's obviously completely nuts. You're, and you're not acting. I can't deal with people who are not acting. What do you mean? Well, like, she's, oh, not, she's not doing anything. She's just, she just, things are happening to her and she's not doing anything. Yeah. And it's so clear to me as a viewer because I'm getting the view she can't have. Yeah. But I find that so frustrating. Like, well, just chain your son to a radiator and then it's fine. <laughs> but 
He's obviously going to kill someone. But I think parenting is quite tricky. <laughs> well, I think people make out it's trickier than it is. <laughs> I think if your son looks like a psychopath, because also... But I, I love Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, I love okay. her films. Yes. Yeah, but I couldn't amazing. deal with that film. Fascinating. I mean, I've not rewatched it, so I saw it at the cinema yeah. on my own. And we're immediately like, chain into the radio I, I, and call so the police. I was so angry when I walked out. But if she had changed the radiator and called the police, the police would go, nothing's happened. But he was clearly trouble. He was clearly... I mean, oh, man. Throughout that film, I was not... I was just like... I was using, like, phrases Jeremy Clarkson would use. I was like, come on, woman! Do, some, do something, you silly bloody woman! And obviously it's nothing to do with her being a woman. It could just yeah. as easily be me saying that to John C. Riley. Yeah. But... Um, Oh, man. Wow. I feel it makes me feel tense thinking about it now. Okay. Oh, I, I'm not, the only yes. film I walked out of was Bruce Almighty. And why did he walk out of Bruce Almighty? it was just rubbish. So I watched Wrong Turn instead, which was really scary because oh, yeah. they're all deformed. Yeah, that's right up your street. Scary deformed people in the woods. Um, and I'd you like to... right turn. I'd like to give another answer to that question yeah. with a qualification. Quick shout out. I think the first half of The World's End is the best film I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I think the second half of The world end, World's End is absolute dog shit. Uh, where are you drawing the line? Where's the aliens? As soon as it goes sci-fi. Yeah. Up until that point, mm-hmm. I was honestly thinking this was my new favourite film ever made. Right. It's such a fantastic study in nostalgia and pubs yeah. and the past, which is just so on brand for me. I was thinking, well, someone's made a film about me. Right. This guy is me. You're Gary. Well, no, I'm not him at all, but I have his mind. <laughs> if we just go back there, yeah. it will be like it was. And there's so many brilliant little little bits about how pubs all end up looking the same by trying to look traditional. Mm. So all the pubs there have that same chalk, white chalk writing on the boards. And then it's like, oh, God, it's now a comic book load of rubbish. And it was so, so frustrating Mm. And I was like, you haven't, you're not actually, do- oh God, you've actually ruined this amazing film about pubs. And it's now about, I don't even care what it's about now. Right. I don't care at all. You've ruined it. <laughs> you, you had me and then you ruined it. And now it's a dweeby sci-fi film and it was about pubs and I hate it. So I don't know what my rating would be for The World's End because half of it is the two, best film I've ever seen. Stars, maybe. But it's not, because it's... Five and five and zero. It's five and zero stars. With a slash directly across the middle. Yeah, five slash zero stars. Wow. That's a very interesting answer. What's the fil- What do you think is the greatest film? Like we were talking about Citizen Kane. Not your favourite, because your favourite is uh, Rushmore. Rushmore. But what do you think is the greatest, well, I don't objectively? Think... Or do you think it's also Rushmore? No, I don't think you can... I don't think you can say objectively a film is the greatest. Like, I would quite petulantly argue that Astral Weeks is the greatest album ever made. But I am aware that that, that's... Obviously, that's a subjective statement. Mm. And I would sort of half tongue-in-cheek argue that. But I would argue that. Well, I think the argument comes... the, The reason this question is there, it's a bit like, if no one had ever seen a film and they said, what's cinema... I think one of the reasons Citizen Kane was always on the list is it's kind of Citizen Kane is sort like, of like an a really good cinema. version, and it shows you all that cinema can do in one right. sort of 
clever, you know, all the shots, all the story, character, you know, emotion, everything I, is in that. Well, when I'm watching, like, an apocalyptic film, so, yeah. for example, The Road, I just want it to last forever because I want to see more scenarios in which people are sort of surviving and finding tin cans, and I just love that stuff. I love it really? so much. But I think what I like in, sort of say, what I like in a general film is to be quite lean. Yeah. Um, so I really like uh, Clint Eastwood films. Great. Doesn't mean I like his politics. No. Um, so uh, uh, an artist. I think Gran Torino is top ten all time for me. Really? Yeah. Because it's just so. There's just not. A, there's not a second of that film that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And it's just a great story, and it's such a great character. And I think what I like in other films that I would say are great is that leanness. So Science of the Lambs is great. just so lean. Yeah. And great. But I then read the book. And an awful lot of the edits in the film come from the book. And it turns out the book is just really well written and really yeah. well edited. Yeah. So, for example, that um, there's a bit in the film that ends with um, someone, I think it's Crawford and Starling have a conversation. And he goes, um, he goes something like, do you know what Lecter is? And in the film, the next thing you see is, um, is Dr. Chilson going, oh, he's a monster. Mm. That's actually the end of a chapter and the beginning of a chapter in the book. So it's a very sort of workman-like making of the book. But that's the film I've probably seen more than any, apart from those initial two childhood ones. Is it? All right, well, that was going to be my question. What's the film you've watched the most over and over? Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Trouble. Silence of the Lambs, Goonies, and... Uh, well, the Revenge of the Pink, 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 Pink Panther, or Return of the Pink Panther, I can't remember. And then I think Queen Live at Wembley, 1986. <laughs> that's amazing. What so list? on my list of greatest films I've written... Science of the Lambs, Rushmore, Godfather Part 2, Gran Torino, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Great. Great film. Gran Torino has not been on anyone's list. Is it not? No. It's a phenomenal film. And Unforgiven is, I think it's up there with Unforgiven. I love all Clint Eastwood films. Really? Well, I like most. I like some, love most. I, I haven't Sully seen in years. Great. I love A Perfect World. I haven't seen it in years. It might not hold up. But oh, I maybe I haven't seen it. A Perfect World. With Kevin Costner. Oh, I think I saw that when I was young. Kevin Costner, little boy. Yeah. Seeing guys on the run. Oh. Moving. Gran Torino. Mm. No one, on no one's list. Mm. Pick it outside the box here. Uh, what is the film that made you laugh the most? What's the funniest film? You're in comedy. What's the funniest film? Um, I, I think funny films are very, very, very rare. Mm-hmm. I think you may be talking one a year that's really funny. It's just somehow, even Alpha Papa, mm. and I would laugh at Alan Partridge reading the telephone book. There's just something, it's just so hard, I think, to make a film funny. And there are some really funny bits in Alpha Papa. Mm. Like the, the reflection of the boobs in Partridge's glasses is just phenomenal. Um, let's say when I was a kid and I watched Holy Grail, Monty Python and Holy Grail, that's the most, Search of the Holy Grail, that's the most I ever laughed at a yeah, film. really? Or Anchorman. Oh, and every time I watch Anchorman, I forget how funny it is. And funny. I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in Anchorman too. Because <laughs> it's just so hard. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's really, really, really hard to make screen comedy. Which is another... Keep flying the flag for Woody Allen. <laughs> but, you know, people are so dismissive of him because of his later fil- filming. Of, in terms of his work, people are mm. so dismissive of, of him because of his later films aren't that good. And you think, well, half of them are good. 
yeah. a couple of them are great. Some of them aren't. But he made like 20 really funny films. Mm. And who, no one else will ever do that, I don't think. Tw- yeah. Like 20 funny films. There's a look, there's a face he does at the end of Manhattan Murder Mystery with when Diane Keaton's making a sort of a teasy joke about this guy who he's suspiciously fancies. And the face he does is so funny. It's just the face every guy has done when their like wife has teased them about someone they're jealous of that actually they are a bit jealous of. And that's that kind of I'm play along with the teasy joke, but secretly yeah. I don't want you to see that guy. Such a funny face. And love and death's so funny. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's made a lot of... I got you those earrings you liked, the long ones. <laughs> that huge parcel. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I think Holy Grail and Anchorman are the sort of funniest films. What other films do people say that are funny? It's always know, Final what... Tap. It's always Final it? Tap. I didn't really get Final Tap. What? I didn't really get it. You're joking. Because I didn't watch it till quite late in life. So I knew it from The Simpsons and right. other people quoting it. Uh, so you sort of watch it going through, oh, yeah, that's the bit my friend Robin always talks about. Yeah, that's my friend, that my bit my friend Sam always quotes. Oh, that's the bit from... Right. So I didn't watch it early enough. I didn't actually find it that funny, to be honest. Sorry, everyone. You've said you've watched the most Goonies, Revenge of the Pink Panther. Science of the Lambs. Science of the Lambs, Queen Love at Wembley 1986. Is there a film you you would happily watch over and over again that you haven't yet watched over and over again? I've not... Well, the, they don't, They tend not to make those... I sound like an old person. They tend not to make those films anymore. When I was... When I used to hang out at my friend Sam's house a lot, he mm-hmm. had a big house, so we'd always go back to his after we'd been out drinking. And there were always three films we'd put on as we sort of passed out in his living room. And that was Independence Day, <sighs> Seven, or Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Great. Well, they don't make those films anymore. What a triple bill. Well, maybe they make films a bit like Seven, but... When was the last time you saw a film like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Or even Independence Day. Independence Day was so good. Just such a really good... Because, like, Christopher Nolan... Independence Day 2 is so bad. Like, Christopher Nolan, like, is an example of someone who makes sort of serious blockbusters. But they're sort of too serious. Mm. Where are the just the really good... uh, Like, Super 8 was fantastic, I thought. Because it it was of that genre of just a great blockbuster... Slightly kids orientated, family orientated, but uh, I think they exist. I think I remember weirdly the original Pirates of the Caribbean right. is excellent. Okay, and then it's all downhill, and yeah. they and they're all awful. But the uh-huh. first one is like really fun and okay. like funny and exciting and like. Have you seen fit. Ready Player One? Yes, I have. I haven't seen it, and I don't think I'd like it. Is it like that, or is it? A it's fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, if I'm honest. I, it's a film that I've not thought about ever again. However, uh-huh. when I was watching it, I was surprised how fun it was. I was but like, then those really fun. I don't think like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or Independence Day is really a film to be thought about. Yeah. It's just a film to absolutely love. And I could watch. I could watch either of those again and again and again, and do. Yeah, try Ready Player One. It's fun. Good I've fun. seen seven more than seven times. I think. <laughs> and there's a really bad continuity error in it when they're driving. In the t- pouring rain, if you look at the rain on the windscreen, yeah. oh, it's all over the place. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's so heavy that you're like, you would have just crashed this car. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so your answer is seven Independence Day and... Robin and Prince Robin of Robin and And Science of the Lambs. Okay. Um, John Robbins. Yes, hello to you. 
You've been an excellent guest. Thanks, man. I enjoyed talking to you. Answers. I will ask this now: When you um, died at Dignitas, yeah, at the age of eighty, mm-hmm. uh, the drug that you swallowed that makes you die. Because you've seen that documentary with Terry Pratchett. Yeah, I've seen that with Terry Pratchett. So you're talking about tea. You take the the drug. Yeah. It does kill you. However, when it killed you, it had a weird reaction with your stomach. Right. And you grew. Yeah. Massive. Right. A very slim man. Thank you. But you went like five Actually, no, not thank you. It's not a positive thing, being slim. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what size you are. No, but I'm just saying, comparative, you're currently, your state of body, if I'm allowed to objectify you, is slim. You're allowed to say, I have a body. Right or wrong. I mean, good or bad. No, I'd say average. I'm not putting value on it, but what I'm saying is, objectively, you are of slender build currently. I'd I'd go medium, medium build. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at you. You haven't seen me after a curry, mate. I'm looking at you. I'm not saying what you see when you think of yourself. I'm saying you're currently of slim build. Hey, when I see myself. Good or bad? I see an Adonis, but he's of medium build. Okay. Medium to slim. Slend- I'd call you the Slender Man. Anyway. Oh, man, it's so a, hard, isn't it? Your biopic is coming out. I can't out say soon. anything these days. So the Slender Man, when you swallowed the drug at Dignitas, yeah. your body grew seven right. times the size. Ooh. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. But... What Only seven mean, times the size would be too many. Oh, what's wrong with you? Shaming well, your own I would body. Be really, I, I would weigh 77 stone. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably and want you think to. That's bad. What, I don't think it's bad. I would probably start to make changes. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, but at this point you're dead, and the coffin we got for you was the same coffin we had when you went to Dignitas when you were yeah. seven times smaller. So we have to stuff your body into this coffin, which you are now far too big for. We managed to cram it all in, yeah. like limbs on top of it. Cram it, cram it, cram it. But what it means is. There's only room for one DVD to go with you. Okay. And when you get to heaven, there's movie night. There's, there's an easier way into this question, isn't there's there? One, there's, What's your favourite film? There's one, <laughs> no, there's one DVD you can take with you to show when you get to heaven when it's your movie night. Oh, go, okay. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah. That's tricky because... Wednesday night, it's John Robbins. It's John Robbins' movie you don't night. want to be the guy who brings Science of the Lambs acro- along Bringing to a movie night because they the think time. you're all creepy. So this is the film I want to show in heaven. You're given an intro in front of the audience of heaven. This oh, is the well, film I, would... I brought you guys. And is it the only film I ever get to see ever again? No, because there's other movie nights that oh, other right. people have brought films. But you might not like them. Do I have access to... This is important. Yeah. Do I have access to Rushmore and Science of the Lambs in heaven? That I genuinely... The, the, you might do if someone else has brought them for their mm-hmm. movie night. That's the risk you're taking. Because I was thinking about taking a film I've not even mentioned thus yeah, far. Yeah, this has happened before. Just because I want people to see it. Go on. Oh, it's called American Movie. Oh, wonderful. Brian Gittins brought it up. Did he? Yeah. So such a great film, very mm-hmm. underwatched. Um, I used to work at a cinema in Bristol. What? Why have you not mentioned this? <laughs> well, I used to volunteer at a cinema called The Cube in Bristol for about two years. Doing what? Like, work, selling tickets and... Not like I wasn't physically involved in touching the film. Yeah. But like working behind the bar, selling tickets. Would you watch films? Yeah. I mean... I once walked out of Last House on the Left because I found it too disturbing. upsetting. The original. Um, That's where I first saw Kyona Skatsi, the first ever time. I saw an American movie there. Um, But I stopped working because everyone kept... And I think I can probably say this enough time has passed. 
People just kept smoking weed in the office, and it used to really, really piss me off. Why? Because I had to drive home. Messed up. Well, I didn't want to get... I didn't... Well, well, A, Brett, it's illegal. Yeah. B... How old were you? Between 16 and 18, maybe 19. <laughs> it was turning my place of work into an unpleasant place to be. I've always just hated weed, anyway. Listen, this isn't um, a criticism. Sorry to any blazers out there. This isn't a criticism, but if I may give honest feedback. I've very much enjoyed being on the podcast, but perhaps next time you're on a film podcast, you might open with, I used to work at a cinema when I say, are you into film? Yeah. But, I mean, I would only be able to... So I'd drive out from my mum, so I'd only get be able to get out there like maybe once or twice a week, and I didn't see... Like an insane... I wasn't yeah. like in there watching eight films a day. Yeah. Here's my question about working in the cinema. And I've worked in the cinema, one yeah. of my dream jobs. But, you know, there's only so much time. Here's my fear of working there. That you take people's tickets, you stand at the back, you watch the film. Yeah. But you have to sort of then pop out just before the end to like open the doors and stuff. No, so you, miss... you pop out at the end. Right, as the credits are going. Yeah. I mean, steward... Um, are they called stewards? No. Could be. What would you call them? Hostesses. Uh, um, no, they're specific name sort of ushers. Ushers. Or ushers. Yeah. Aren't often in the screen anyway now these days. Yeah. Which is why there's such lawlessness in cinemas. Mm. However, back then it's like an 80-seater maybe, the Cube, or 60-seater. Right. Um, and they'd have bands on and stuff and live um It was just one trackings. screen? Yeah, just one screen. Okay. Um, anyway, I saw an American movie there and I was absolutely blown away by it. So that's the film you're taking? In your coffee. Well, but, uh, but I'm also, because you can do this with DVDs, yeah. I'm opening the case and I'm also putting a copy of Rushmore on the spindle because you can fit two on the spindle. Do you want to go to heaven or do you want to be... Re- Not bothered, mate! Ejected at the door for trying to cheat the system. Uh, Just as you get there, when they open your DVD and they go, hang on a minute. Well, I've spoken a lot about Rushmore, so I think... And that's my favourite film, so I'd yeah. say American movie. So you're, when it's your movie night... Wednesday, John Robbins night, you come out and you go, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming to my movie night. Tonight is an American movie. Everyone goes, oh, we saw that. Brian Gittins brought it. Did he take it as well? Fuck, did I, Brian Gittins take it? I was going to bring Rushmore. Rushmore's my favourite. And everyone goes, why didn't you say Rushmore? And then they would sit Did Brian Gittins take it to heaven? I think so. Oh, well, I'll take Rushmore then. Oh. Brian might not have done. I don't remember. I Rushmore, But he mentioned the American movie a lot. Great. Uh, John Robbins, you have been wonderful. Thanks, man. And I hope that you're happy in heaven with American movie. Thanks. Uh, please enjoy the rest of your death, and thank you for coming. Well, I've just got to go to a gig, so I'm ho- hoping that doesn't... Is there anything you would like to plug or tell, tell anyone about? No. <laughs> My podcast with Ellis. Oh, yeah. It's great. I'm really proud of it. Oh, of course, but I'll say that in the beginning. That's there all the time. I'll say that in the beginning. Oh, do you record a little preamble yeah. where you go, John Robbins was a difficult character. He was clearly n- not willing to play ball. The rules about putting one DVD in a coffin. <laughs> Thank you, John. Robbins. Good night. That was episode 37 with John Robbins. Thank you so much to John for coming over to do it. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein to access extra material on most of the other episodes. If you do enjoy this show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the main reason that apparently it helps the numbers, means people get to hear it, I can keep making it, you can keep listening to it, we can keep doing this together forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever until we all die. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAS for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the artwork. Come join me next week when my guest is the brilliant comedian 
from me on Matteo. Don't forget to come to the live shows at Soho Theatre and Brighton Podcast Festival. And in the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.